Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live today from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host coming live from Venice Beach, California, Joey Nochilpreno. Hello, Andy. How are you, dude? How are you? That's the that's the better question. There's a lot of uh, rumor and hearsay on the internet. A lot of uh, TMZ style gossip. Oh, really? Your, your kidneys failed during the marathon. You were shitting blood uh, as you crossed the finish line. Somebody tried to give you uh, chili, and apparently you knocked it out of their hand and immediately collapsed. Um, what happened at the marathon? What's true? What's false? What was your time? Were you hospitalized? Did you assault a chili-bearing dirt ball? I did not uh, assault anybody. Okay. I did have some, uh, I had some interesting conversations at certain points of the marathon, uh, but I did complete it. It was not an easy course, but we, we knew this going in, right? Prano, I had said this, that Cincinnati was going to be much more difficult than the LA marathon. It's a very hilly city. There was a stretch that was, I think about three miles going on an incline up about 300 to 350 feet. So that was not easy, but but I did all that and I did it well and I was timing great and I was prepared. The only the only problem I was kind of worried about, but I didn't worry about I got two hours sleep the night before. I couldn't sleep. That seems uh like that's not the answer. Uh no. Well I went to bed at a normal time, like a good time. I tossed and turned for four hours plus. So Basically, the last time I looked at my phone, I was scheduled to wake up for the marathon at 4.30 in the morning. The last time I looked at my phone, it said like 2.07 a.m. Okay. And I was still wide awake. So, uh, But I wasn't going to use that as an excuse. It is what it is. I had a lot of butterflies. I had a lot going through my head. I, I had a good start. I was focused. Like I said, I did, uh, I did the first 13 miles. I'm cruising. I'm under... I mean, my splits, you know, I sent you my splits. My splits are up there. I was under, I was on a pace to be under four hours on my splits. So my splits after 13 miles, 13.1 miles, I was on pace. I was under two hours, was an hour 59. So I, I had a pace tracker, like I was all set. I had a little wrist tracker they give you. I was all set to go. Um, but I was, I, was, I was a little concerned because I get bloated easily. I know this sounds ridiculous. I get bloated easily, though, when I drink water and Gatorade just when I run. So I was, uh, this, this, this is the Odell Beckham uh, scenario. Well, what's that? Explain that to me. Uh, you know, he, he, gets, he got a lot of cramps during the last couple seasons, and uh, people are like, what a fucking idiot. Just drink water, bro. And he's like, I actually get bloated and don't like water like sloshing around in me the whole day. Are you serious? So, yeah. And then the, but like, you know, 
Odell Beckham having his haters out there because he's really good, has a haircut and dances a lot. They're like, you fucking loser, excuse fucking loser, just drink water. What the fuck's your problem, you locker room cancer? So that's the thing. I know I get bloated. When I get bloated, I I just can't run. And and it's only with running. So that happened to me during the LA Marathon. Obviously, you live and you learn from mistakes. And so... I was like, dude, go as long as you can without water or anything. And I know that's not the smartest thing to do, but I was chugging along. Uh, my mom, at about mile eight, handed me, I had two orange slices. That's the first thing I had. So, so basically, mile eight, at that point, I'm, you know, I don't know, a little over an hour in. I haven't had anything. I'm under nine minutes a mile. I'm doing great. I have two orange slices. And then I say, okay, wait until the halfway point to have water and Gatorade. You know, and that would be another five more miles. I go, you're not going to get bloated. So I stop, you know, the normal thing to do. I stop at the halfway point. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. Praying Tom, up. Tommy, Tommy Dewey is listening to this and already shaking his head. I, well, I went, I talked to Tommy uh, Sunday via text uh-huh. message. So he, he actually understood what I was doing um, to a degree because he, he was like, we, 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 Look, he's like, seems like you have the training down. Now we need to change how you do the nutrition side of basically you need to train how you're going to be on the course. Because when you're on the course, you, you know, they're passing out oranges and licorice and Gatorade and water and shit to keep the electrolytes in the body going. So anyway, mile 13, I stop. I drink some Gatorade. I'm doing great. And if you look at my splits, and I will post this on social media, my splits are looking great. My mom said, I saw, you know, you were doing so good. I was like, he's easily going to get under four hours. And then by about mile 15, my stomach started acting up like crazy. Uh, I mean, it was, it was painful. And I'm like, what is happening? And at about mile 15 and a half, I had to stop. And I was like, dry heaving? Uh-oh. Very heavily, though. To the point you where like... Na- Go you, ahead. You Donovan, now, you, now you're Donovan McNabb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm dry heaving at about mile 15 and a half. Some people come you're over. Liter- you're, you're literally choking away your chance of under four hours. But but it wasn't even ch- – yeah, it was just like I don't know. My stomach was all fucked up. So this guy comes over to me. You know, They have different tents all over these marathons. He was with some runner company. He's like, dude, you all right? And he's like, you don't look good. And I told him my situation, and he's like, have some water, and he, got, and, he, and he had Coke there. He goes, I think the Coke will settle your system. You need carbonation. You're all jacked up. And uh, so I have that, and I keep going, And then, but I'm getting slower. I'm getting a lot slower. My stomach is hating me. At this point, I also haven't shit in like 36 hours. I couldn't shit before the marathon. I couldn't shit the night before. Uh, and then at about mile 17 and a half, I fucking yak. And I was really in a lot of pain, um, all over my body. And, and you can see my splits. I went from, my pace was up through mile 13.1. My pace was 917. Then by mile 19.2. So only six miles later, my pace dropped all the way down to 1221. So my mom knew, she's like, I was looking at your timer, like something's wrong. So I puked, I was a mess. It was so tough for me to run from there, but I didn't stop. I kept going. I actually then improved my time after that. I finished, uh, I finished at 4.36.24, which is, which is a little, little more than two minutes faster than my LA time. Obviously, I did not beat four. 
and uh, I didn't beat my little brother's 404, 54. Uh, upon, pin it, upon finishing, I sprinted to basically the last quarter mile. Upon, upon finishing, I couldn't even stand. And a medical person came over to me. She said I, need, I should go to medical. I didn't do that, Prano. That was stupid. I should have gotten an IV. Uh, I didn't do that. I went home. I, no chili. No chili. Nothing. <laughs> I, I, I felt miserable. My family was concerned because my mom called me. She's like, you could barely talk. I was worried about your health. I, you know, blah, 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 this and that. Because she was waiting to pick me up in an area that, you know, so many people down there. Anyway, I didn't go to medical. I should have listened to my mom. I should have gotten an IV. I got home. Uh, I peed. When I peed for the first time, my pee was brown. It was fucking brown. It wasn't yellow. It was brown. And my family was all worried. They're like, dude, you, you're jacked up. So I basically. You know, the phrase, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Usually is the de- the difference between pissing and shitting. But you're saying you, you could actually have let your brown mellow because you were urinating feces, basically. Yeah. So, and, and mind you, like I said, I hadn't shot either. So, like, I had all this stuff backed up in me and. Uh, upon talking to a few people, basically what happened was uh, I suffered what they would call severe dehydration, <laughs> and that's th- those are all common side effects. Like I was having a pounding headache, the, the the vomiting, the brown urine. Basically, my tactic of like, hey, I'm not going to drink any water. Uh, so like, I got to figure out how to do marathons where I don't get bloated. Basically. Don't they have like those like gel packs and whatever? Well, that's the thing. My mom had given me pills. They're called electrolyte pills. But she goes, a lot of times those don't sit well with people either. You should test those out on a long run. And I never did that. Right. So to bring it back to what you were saying about Tommy Dewey, Tommy goes, you got to train like that, like how you're going to run the race. Um, So if you're going to eat little oranges or whatever, you, you literally almost have to pack those while you're running. So your body's used to it. Because I don't know what happens, but my body just gets so fucking bloated. But obviously, this is what happens when you don't hydrate. Your body also goes the other way and starts breaking down too. Now, is there any truth to the rumor that um, you avoided the medical tent after the race because you were worried that that's where they were going to apply your braces? (laughs) There is no truth to that. But I like that. I like that theory. They, they were like, come with us. You got to sit in this chair. And you're like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm not getting them. Look, man. I the dirt balls. Look, here's my thoughts on all this, Prano. I, I'm obviously extremely disappointed. The numbers are there. It's like I had it set. I had it set to easily crack four, which would have been a crazy. That was like a, that was like a pipe dream for me. I just wanted to beat my little brother's time. The numbers are there. Obviously, all that shit happens, the dry heaving, the puking, and then my body just is like fucking shutting down. But I didn't stop. I finished. I did two marathons in 40 days. And you know what? If the, if the dirt balls really want me to get braces, I guess I will. But my, my thing is this. I busted my ass. Twitter poll coming. <laughs> I busted my ass. I didn't give up. My little brother, he said he'll go on record to vouch not for me to get braces. He's like, dude, you literally... You literally like almost fucked yourself up so hard trying to beat this, and that's kind of where I stand at this point as far as well, the braces I just, thing. I, 
I want you to know that I'm glad you didn't collapse or die or anything like that. Although, had you, I would have definitely had them put braces on your corpse for the funeral. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate been, that. I'd have been like, uh, a Ruther always pays his debts. And then it would have been like the scene that people keep sharing about Steph Curry. It'll be like, his braces! Put on his braces! He can't be without his braces! <laughs> Yeah, man, it uh, it it was a rough one, and it, what sucks is, like I said, is I kicked ass on the hardest parts of the race. The first half of that marathon is, without a doubt, the hardest, and I was pacing so good. So that's that's what sucks here. We can all play the what if game, and I'm not. By the way, I'm not making excuses. So anybody who says, "Oh, you're making," I'm not making any excuses at all. This is not an excuse. But if that shit doesn't happen to me. I easily finished under four, but it did. It's not an excuse. And, uh, you know, you live and you learn. So if and you've, been, and, you, and you've been traded to the Cleveland Browns because of it. Yeah, exactly. So if, you know, if the dirt balls really want me to get braces, that's cool. My, my little brother also said, he's like, dude, this wasn't even a bet. This was you just running your mouth. It's not like you and I had a bet. Right. So, uh, that's where we're, well, I, 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 Hopefully, hopefully you've learned a lesson about that. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lesson. I shouldn't run my fucking mouth, and I shouldn't be, uh, you know, too cocky. And I was, and I and, and I was wrong. But look, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know what you think. If you have an opinion on this whole situation with braces and me and blah blah blah, I have no opinion whatsoever. I don't. I mean, I, I honestly think that you embarrass yourself enough with some of the decisions you make about your physical appearance that. You shouldn't be forced to make ones that uh, are, are really going to be terrible. But hey, look again. This isn't this isn't about me and you. This isn't about this is about you running your mouth, and this is about uh, you know the Dirty Sports Podcast. So I'll let you handle it however you want to. I'll let you you know you've told your story to the dirt balls. I'll let you uh, you know I'll let you take it from there. Trust me. If it was my if it was a bet with me, you'd be getting fucking braces. I mean, you've changed your ticket so that you can go to the ICP concert in Cincinnati after I looked it up and saw that they were playing two miles from your house. So as far as I'm concerned, you're handling, uh, you're handling our wagers and uh, how you handle your, your own you know, bold claims of running prowess. Is up to you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, that is true, guys. Just so you know... Uh, the irony, I joked last episode about that. The Insane Clown Posse is not only performing in Cincinnati. I changed my flight. I'll be here an extra six days. They're performing literally two miles from my parents' house at what was the old Annie's, which is now, I believe, uh, Riverfront Live. So that is this Friday, May 10th, Prano. Finally, finally, I'm paying up on the Insane Clown Posse. I will be going to... The concert as a juggalo. Full. Do you have somebody? Do you have somebody in Cincinnati to apply makeup for you? Now, my brother Elliot said his wife could do it. She, she's she's pretty artsy, and I think she'd be good at that stuff. And then also, you'll love this. I purposely matched with somebody on Hinge who is a makeup artist, just in case. Wow! And have you contacted them? Yeah, and it was weird because I I briefly you know I, I'm not like attract I'm not like attracted to her. I'll be honest. It's uh, purely for hey if okay. I pay. Okay, if, don't don't tell her that before you ask for help. Okay. Well, here's the thing. It, this is purely like hey, you know what? What's your fee to give me a, a clown face? You're gonna love this. In our text exchange, 
I mentioned Insane Clown Posse and Juggalo as a joke, and she said, if that's the truth, please never talk to me again. So I was kind of throwing the fishing line out there, and then she got very uh, defensive about that. So I don't know how that's going to work. So hopefully my sister-in-law can do the face paint. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's that's where we're at right now. So I will pay that debt. A Ruther, uh, what was the what was the tweet? Somebody responded to the tweet. I said, you know, a Ruther always pays his debt. Somebody said, a Ruther always pays his dents. So I, yeah, I, I like that one better. So anyway, that is where we're at. And yeah, Prano, I I will be here until May fourteenth. I'm I'm spending two weeks in the state of Ohio. How many? How much chili have you eaten since you arrived? None. Wow. Turns out it's not that good. Haven't eaten any. My dad did take me to a buffet today at the casino by us, and uh, I have never seen so many fat old people in my life. I will just say this. I, dude, I'll tell you what. Love love the Midwest, but dear God, people, hop on a treadmill once or twice a day. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, and, have some, and have some water before you get on the treadmill. Yeah, well, I'm just glad that, you know... Odell Beckham kind of understands. I like he he can relate to what I went through. I didn't know that he had a bloating issue as well. Yeah, he talks about he he doesn't like to run with all the water sloshing around in his stomach. Well, to put me on his uh, level is is very impressive, Joe. I appreciate. Yeah, that. it's de- it's it's definitely more of a McNabb than a than an Odell. But okay. okay, I gotcha. So it was, the big, it was the biggest moment of your life. You ended up dry heaving. Freddie Mitchell carried you the last six miles. Yeah, I know. Exactly. You, re- real quick before we get to NBA stuff, I, I did laugh at a certain point. Um, I, I was pretty positive throughout the race and you know, just stuck to myself. But then at a certain point, this is probably in the last five miles, you know, there's always kids out there handing out stuff and high fives and stuff. And I made a joke to some kid. I said, uh, I said remember, don't do drugs and never sign up for a marathon. And then some old man was like, that's the terrible, like running by me with his daughter. He goes, that's terrible advice. Marathons are the best thing for you. And I said, no, they're not. I said, I hate myself right now. And uh, he goes, I've done 50. And she's like, my dad's done 50. And I'm like, I go, cool. You've done 50 so you can brag about it like times like now. That's why you run marathons. I was literally then trying to get into a discussion about him, about marathons. I go, you know, you can run 26.2 miles and not pay for it, right? Like that's possible. But then you don't get the sticker. I guess you could probably just buy that sticker. Yeah, I n- not not my not my crowd, Prano. That's what I've learned. Like I'm not anti marathon, and I'm sure I'll run more. But the the what's the word I'm looking for? It's like the where they want to just not look down, but sometimes it is kind of looking down on others. It's this projecting, like I'm better than you because I run marathons. I don't yeah. I don't like that mindset. And I and I see it, so fuck those people. Anyway, I want to talk NBA playoffs because they have been unbelievable. I we said this going in, didn't we? Didn't I say? Didn't I say the second round was going to be fucking amazing? You did, and they have been. They've lived up to all those expectations. I mean, every right- every series of the four is two two, except of course the Celtics and the Bucks. After the Paul Pierce curse, yeah, and, and Domasing the downfall of the Celtics with the addition of Kyrie Irving. Um, every series has been fantastic. I mean, I I hate to say it, uh, but I did say it via the Coach D'Antoni Twitter last night. 
Imagine if they haven't hadn't stolen game one from the Rockets, too. I mean, we've got three, two, two series, but it's almost like we should have two, three, one series as well. Well, yeah, I, I don't really want to go there, to be honest. I, I just want to look at it like we have, like you said, all at 2-2 minus the Bucks Celtics. And I want to start there with the Celtics series. They're now down 3-1. Kyrie is in his worst three-game playoff stretch of his entire career. Uh-huh. In his last three games, Kyrie has gone 19 of 62 from the field. And he ain't hitting shots. And his team's getting their ass kicked ever since that game one loss. And here we are. He wanted to be the man. He's got a team around him. What is happening? What, what? Well, as I've said, for the entirety of uh, Kyrie leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers, and as a, a, a person who I feel is a very good judge of, you know, Basketball acumen. Kyrie Irving is a fantastic basketball player. He's incredibly talented. He's one of the most talented players in the NBA from a skill, um, you know, from a skill point of view. Obviously, he's not that big and he's not a leaper. But it, you know, remove those two things, he's an incredible shooter. He has incredible handle. He's incredible at finishing around the yeah. the rim. He's a he's a decent to above average passer. When sure, he's, you know, trying to pass. Um, he's not a great defender by any means, but he is incredibly skilled. But he just he insists on being the man. He insists on being a one when he's just not a one, and has never been a one, and shouldn't be a one. And they've played better when he's not playing the one. And their ball movement suffers because of it. They get into tons of isolation. Now they're suddenly running a bunch of pick and rolls. The Bucks are doing a great job switching on those pick and rolls. And the Bucks haven't been playing that well. They've been playing well, but they haven't been playing that well. Like across the board from a, like a, a, a team standpoint, like they haven't been exceptional and they're up 3-1 because the Boston offense just looks lost. Yeah. Each, in, in each of the last three games, it's been a close back-and-forth game the whole time. And then the Bucks pull away because they continue to, like, be fine at making shots. And, and the Celtics can't keep up a pace of fine. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about games... You know, we're not talking about 130, 125 ball games here. Yeah. Well, they won game one in which Kyrie played good. He played pretty pretty well. And they've lost now three consecutive games where he's played bad. So it seems like Boston is going as Kyrie is going. And I think that says a lot because I do want to bring it back to him leaving to be the man. And this isn't just to me for me to just diss on Kyrie. Everything you said about him is great, and it's true. He's he's one of the most talented, one of the most skilled players in the league. No one's saying he's not a phenomenal player. But I bring this back because he did want to be the man. And, and these guys do this shit, and, and I always equate it to like Hollywood, the person who wants to be the star. They don't want to be the co-star. They can't be a part of an ensemble. And he leaves and he goes to the Celtics, 
and you're the man, Kyrie. And look what's happened since you became the man. The team goes to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals without you, and now they're, they're about to get bounced in the semifinals with you. Because he demands on being a dribble-heavy scorer. I've said it before. I've been criticized by, by dirt balls and by people on the internet for saying it. Kyrie Irving is essentially Jamal Crawford 2.0. That's his best self. His best self is give this guy the ball and let him cook. But that is not what your starting point guard's personality should be. How's Russell Westbrook give him the fucking ball and let him cook going? Yeah. Now you might say the argument is uh, the the argument against that is what the Trailblazers are doing with Damian Lillard. To which I would respond, I think he's he's still doing that too much. I think that he should defer more often. He's been great at hitting his shots, and he's been fantastic in these playoffs. And I think that they can absolutely win him with him doing this, but. You look at that game going four overtimes, down the stretch, if he deferred on a couple of the terrible shots he took to try to win the game, that that game might have been over a lot sooner. This is not a style of play that is conducive to winning an NBA championship. It's never been, and it will never be. Where does he go from here? Because it looks like I'd assume this is Kyrie's last days in a Celtics jersey. It just didn't work out. Does he? I don't. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I mean, sadly, my fear is that he goes to the New York Knicks, which I've said repeatedly and consistently. I do not want. I do not want Kyrie Irving as the one on the New York Knicks, especially. If they're going to get Kevin Durant, which a lot of people, you know, trust me, I don't understand. I'm a Knicks fan, and I don't understand the Kevin Durant to the Knicks stock. But I didn't understand and still don't LeBron James to the Lakers. It just seems the way that was, that this is predetermined. It's going to happen. Everybody was saying LeBron to the Lakers for two full years. I didn't understand it. It absolutely happened. And... It seems to me KD to the Knicks is some sort of done deal for some reason. If that's the case, literally the last person I want as our point guard is Kyrie Irving. Because why am I going to take you know Kevin Durant and a Zion or uh you know whoever else we get in the draft and then I'm going to pair and then all those guys stand around while Kyrie shows off his handle? And, and by the way, and then hits an incredible layup and we get two points. The other team comes down and cans a three in our face and we're losing. Like the thing about Kyrie is, yeah, he makes those crazy shots. He makes them about 50% of the time. And on the other end, the other team's getting three or an easier two. It's like he's working so hard and he's doing such amazing things with the ball. But even when he makes it, it's costing them points. Yeah, this it's just not like just be like just be Jamal Crawford, just be Lou Williams, just be this insane game. 
your head, your ego's too big to be the guy who comes off the bench and can just completely dominate second teams, fine. Be the starting two on a team. But you cannot be in charge of who gets the ball and when they get the ball. Because the bottom line is, the it, it's in the one decision alone of, I don't want to play with the best player in the history of basketball, is proof that he is very, very, very selfish to the point where it hurts his basketball team. Well, let's talk about the Bucks for a minute. They're now up 3-1. I, I'm, I'm betting that they close out in Milwaukee in Game 5. I think they're ready to put the nail in the coffin. They're looking well, good. You, you, you ruined that for them. Okay, well, I officially ruined that for them. Uh, obviously, though, I think they're going to win the series. I don't see Boston coming back from 3-1 deficit. Charles Barkley said last night, and I posted this on Twitter, he has the Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA championship. He's he's on that train that hard right now. I mean, Charles is has been making some bold claims all season this season. He's got and, and I, Bucks and Blazers in the finals. Yeah. And I I feel like I feel like he's sort of almost um like betting against himself in a way like I guess if he claims that the like I like Bucks over Blazers. I just I'm not sure that as much as I love the Blazers as much as I want to see my boy CJ on the biggest stage. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that the Blazers get there. I, I'm sort of on the record as saying that I still think that this Houston Golden State uh, series is, you know, in some regard the NBA Finals. I just think that they have between those two teams the most playoff experience. They've been there before. The, the Warriors have obviously been there before. The Rockets have been, um, you know, to Game 7 in the Western Conference Finals last year against this Warriors team. James Harden's played in the finals. Shumpert's played in the finals. The, you know, D'Antoni's got, obviously got a ton of experience. Um, but I said Bucks to the finals, and I like Bucks to the finals. I I actually still don't think the Bucks are playing to their highest potential. Yeah, I don't think they are either. And that's good that they're up 3-1 against the Celtics because if they have, you know, if they get a little bit more consistent offensively, they're definitely going to be really tough to beat for a really long time. I'm just not sure that if they face a Warriors team in the NBA Finals that, you know, has a game plan on how to attack them that they can win the finals, but it's certainly not a ludicrous statement. I mean, the way Giannis is playing, the way Middleton's shooting the ball, the way they're just getting help from all the guys, like they just have a very good, deep veteran heavy team around one of the best players in basketball. And that is certainly, you know, a recipe for success. I mean, even if, so let's, let's say the Bucks hypothetically make it to the finals and let's say they play either the Rockets or the Warriors. You talk about a three point bonanza. If it was any yeah. of those three combinations of, yeah. of teams, I mean, that, that'd be, that'd be wild. Just so many threes. And, uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think the bucks have played to their full potential, but they are getting contributions from like the Connaughton's and, uh, the, uh, Ilyasovich and like all these guys that are making huge contributions each game and uh, I like the way they're playing, and obviously, I think this Raptors Sixers series, you know, we're looking at a, a tight, hard-fought series, and Kawhi is fucking going 
off. He needs some help. They got to give him some more help. Well, absolutely. But Kawhi right now is doing everything for that team. And yeah, they're just not nearly as deep. I mean, you look at that Sixers team. This is what we've been talking about with the Sixers the whole year is the Sixers starting lineup from top to bottom is still arguably maybe the 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 least flawed. Like they have a lineup where you don't look at any one guy and you go, oh, well, that's the guy who, you know, he kind of just, you know, he's like the Kendrick Perkins. He's just the guy sure. who's in there. To like, whatever. like they're they have an incredible starting five. They just can't seem to get on the same page on any given night yeah like who's gonna who's gonna play well who's not gonna play well whereas on the opposite side essentially Kawhi is on the right page every night and no one else is joining him i mean even if you look at their like the, the guys like efficiency ratings when Kawhi is and isn't on the floor i mean it's a joke it, it's it's essentially Kawhi versus the world right now it's it's Kawhi is canada yeah no you're right He's playing out of his mind, and he's fun to fucking watch. He's incredible to watch because he's, you know, he's just such a great all-around player. He's probably the best two-way player in basketball, uh, uh, you know, when he's fully healthy, which he seems to be. Um, a, a great, a fantastic, you know, arguably maybe the best wing defender. And then what he's doing on the offensive end, for, you know, he was an M- he's an NBA Finals MVP when he was young and that kind of was, but broke him onto the scene and he's just continued to progress. Obviously the, the injury bug really caught him there for a minute, but he's incredible. And it really does. It really is Kawhi versus the Sixers right now. And it's like, who's going to blink first is, are the, is the, are the Raptors going to help out Kawhi? Uh, is Kawhi going to be able to carry them to four wins all by himself? Or, is that Sixers team, you know, gonna gonna start being a little bit more of a well-oiled machine, and and more than one guy shows up on any given night? Because if if the Sixers are playing at their potential, I think that they win the series. Sure. Simply simply because they're better. I, yeah, and simply because I just don't think Toronto. I I just I just think it's crazier to say, oh, you know, all the rest of the guys on Toronto are gonna help. I mean. Lowry, I don't know what the fuck his deal is. I, I, I was just gonna say, like the, Siakam's Siakam's playing well, but the the thing with Lowry and and you know here's the one thing I'll say in defense of him is like unlike Kyrie, there it's a two two series and and he's doing it while not needing to be the guy who fucking controls the ball all the time, and maybe that's part of their strategy. Now he could certainly hit a couple more fucking shots. Yeah. No, I mean, there's games, though, where he just, and, and he has a history of this within the playoffs, where he just goes missing. And they need, you're right, they don't need a shit ton of him. Like, last game he had a good game, you know, 14 points, 6 boards, 7 assists. Like, that's all you need to contribute. They, right, they, they, and, they win, and they win. Exactly. But the game before that, you know, 7 points on 20% shooting. You, you can't have that. Cause exactly, because you're, you're not going to help the team. Because what Kawhi's doing at this point, it's it's in that mold of of LeBron, right? And it's, it's fitting that he's playing in the East too now, because it's like you're saying he's a two way player. He's doing it both sides of the ball. He's got some decent players around him, but I mean, at the end of the day, 
Like Kyle, Kyle Lowry's been an all-star, but come on, guys. It's, you know, he's not he's not a game changer on any team ever. But if but if he plays well, he changes the game by just being somebody that people have to worry about on the perimeter besides Kawhi. Yeah. And 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 that's basically what what I'm saying is like he just needs to be you know, borderline all-star Kyle Lowry. Sure. And, and I, to be, he isn't going to be a first-team fucking NBA all-star. And I agree with you, by the way. You know, on paper, Philly is so talented. But I love, and I love Embiid, but this injury thing with him, man. I mean, this whole, is he healthy or isn't he healthy? We're doing this every single game of the playoffs. Because when he when he's playing up to his potential, he is so fun to watch. But when you know, we don't know. Like, and I also wonder: is this an excuse at times, or are we saying, "Oh, he wasn't healthy"? You know, that's why he only had nine points and eight rebounds, or whatever. It's just I, I never know at this point. With I mean, this this is the joke with Steph Curry lately, right? When when he's playing well, he's healthy, and when he's not playing well, he's hurt. Sure. And you know, after every Toronto loss. Oh, when Bede was hurt, he might not play next game. Oh, he is going to play. Oh, like, and and I don't know if that's if if they're Belichicking their strategy, like they're saying, like, oh, well, we can we can sort of ride this mystery Embiid injury all the time thing. We don't they don't know if they have to prepare for him if they don't. But at this point, they don't really have to prepare for him anyway. I mean, if you're scoring eleven points a game, like he's supposed to be the guy. That's just that's just supposed to be what it is, like whether you like it or not. I know that they got Jimmy Butler, but like their strategy wasn't let's get Jimmy Butler here. He's our playoff closer. Like their strategy was let's get a bunch of guys to go around Embiid, and so far Embiid has not become the man. No, you're right. I mean, look what he did during the regular and if season. You look, and 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 look around the the league right now. Okay, uh, look around just the teams. That are left. Who's the man on Portland? Damien. Who's the man on Denver? Jokic. Who's the man on Milwaukee? Giannis. Who's the man on Toronto? Kawhi. And then you go, who's the man on Philadelphia? I would say it's got to be Embiid, of course. But you've got to say... He's not the leading scorer in the, on, on the team in the playoffs. He's not the guy that's getting them buckets down the stretch. Same thing goes for the Celtics. Who's the guy on the Celtics? Well, I, you, you'd say it's Kyrie, even though he's not playing that you'd well. Say it's Ky- you'd say it's Kyrie, but you'd also watch the games and go, maybe sure. Al Horford should just be running this fucking team. Yeah. It's like the, the teams where it's not a sure thing. Are the teams that are struggling. It, is, it Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, you know, he averaged twenty-seven and a half points, thirteen and a half rebounds during the regular season. He's the guy. Obviously, Ben Simmons is great. Jimmy Butler is great. Obviously, Harris is is good for scoring. JJ Reddick's good for hitting the three, giving you fifteen. But you're right, he's got to be the guy. And I don't think they're ready. And I don't think it's it's fully worked out. That's why I a hundred percent agree with everything you're saying. Is that on paper they're the better team? If Philly plays up to their potential, they win this series. But they're just not playing up to their potential. And if they want to go with the attitude of, like, nobody's the guy, then fine. Your whole starting lineup has to get 15. Yeah, you're right. Well, let's move on to the Western Conference. 
we obviously already kind of lightly talked about a few of these teams and games. Let's start with last night's game. The Rockets tied it up 2-2. Another good game. They've been fun to watch. You touched upon it uh, a few minutes ago, Prano. Steph, Steph's, playoff Steph is back where he's very hit or miss. And I don't care what anybody says, guys. The fucking facts don't lie. Steph Curry is not the same guy in the playoffs that he is in the regular season. He's never won a finals MVP. He is not the same player, plain and simple. Well, this, so here's the thing with playoff Steph. And by the way, I, I actually do love Steph. Like, I, I mean, I think he's a great player. But Steph's – the reason that Steph has a supernatural – uh, sense about him in the regular season is because you know he'll have 22 against this team and he'll have 24 against this team and then he'll hit he'll hit 12 for 14 from three against the Phoenix Suns on a fucking Wednesday evening and the the fucking and he's pulling up from half court and it's like holy shit Steph's the greatest shooter of all time let's talk about how great Steph is and guess what Steph is the greatest shooter of all time to me, that's not an argument. Yeah. Like, if you're arguing otherwise, you're stupid. You don't understand fucking numbers. You don't understand the game of basketball. You don't understand how the, the, the three-point lines changed. It, like, he's going to own every shooting sure. record that's ever happened. When he's done, he's also was a two-time MVP, and he was on, you know, already three championship teams. Steph is the greatest shooter of all time. But come playoff time, Steph – not only gets focused on from the, from the other team's defensive end that the, where they're like let's stop Steph, but even more so, every team attacks Steph offensively. Like when when the other team has the ball, they want Steph Curry guarding the guy with the ball. They want it. They're desperate for it. They need it, and that makes Steph. First of all, it exploits him as a defender, and second of all. It makes him work hard on the defensive end, which that that's the thing. That's the, the thing that people don't understand. And I love, you know, NBA playoff time is my favorite time of year where everybody goes like, uh, just play defense. It's like, oh, LeBron gets criticized for not playing defense. It's hard to be the guy that dominates an entire team offensively and is responsible for everything from passing to scoring to rebounding to the whole thing and dominating defensively yeah. on the other end of the floor. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard's doing it. Absolutely. Guess what? Kawhi Leonard hasn't played in a consecutive playoff series, playoff uh, seasons in a while now. It takes a stall. Also, also, Kawhi Leonard may or may not get past the Sixers because he's the only one that's fucking doing anything. Sure. So... The idea that just like just play a ton of great defense and then fucking score all the time too. It's like, oh, Michael Jordan could do it. Michael Jordan wasn't the best defensive player on his team from the second Scottie Pippen got into the NBA. Yeah. And he wasn't and he wasn't the second best defensive player on his team when Rodman was there. So shut the fuck up. And also, like, it's difficult to do. It's difficult to guard James Harden coming off pick and rolls every time down the floor and dominate offensively. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy, though? Last night, man, they were right there because Harden missed one of those two free throws. I'm saying those two looks, I would argue those two looks that both 
especially KD's look and then Steph's look that they got at the end of the game to tie that up to send it into overtime. Those wouldn't you say those were good looks for those players? I mean, I think that they were fantastic looks. Um, I think KD's was essentially wide open and seven feet closer than a hand in the face Damian Lillard won a series on. And Steph's, I don't even, I'm not, I don't know if he, you know, lost the handle of the ball or what. I don't know why he hesitated in the first place, but even after he hesitated, he had a fantastic look. Yeah. I mean, look, those shots go down a lot of times for those guys, and those shots don't go down uh, for guys, too. Um, You know, it just so happened that two of the greatest shooters, in the game, um, missed them back to back. This isn't a discussion about, you know, are they not clutch anymore and shit like that because that's Skip Bayless, you know, dumb shit hot take. Yeah. If, Lebr- if LeBron misses either of those shots, it's, it's you know, 48 consecutive hours about how he's not he doesn't have the killer instinct. But the bottom line is, statistically, both of those guys make that shot more often than Jordan more often than Kobe, more often than the fucking a lot of people, and they just happen to miss them back-to-back. Same thing goes the other way. I mean, like I said, you know, the Rockets were in that game to the final possession in game one, despite the refs saying at least 12 free throws didn't go their way in the first half. So, you know, these games have all been close. They've all been six points or less. It's been a great series. Could easily be 3-1 Rockets. It could easily be fucking... You know, three one warriors if one of those shots goes in. But I, I but I think look, it should either be three one rockets or it should be two two right now. And it's gonna be a great series. I still think what's gonna kill the Rockets, as much as I'm rooting for them, as much money as I've invested in them, is that they didn't you know, that they did get hosed a little bit in that game one and that now it's a three game series and two of those games take place at Oracle. Do I think the Rockets have a chance to win this series? Absolutely. But they got to steal know, one. Gun to my head, I'm still taking the Warriors because yeah. they're play- they're playing two games at home. Um, but god, I mean, I'll be rooting with everything I have. I'm I'm rooting like a, you know, I've joked, I'm rooting more for the Rockets than I am for the fucking, you know, the Starks at this point. Really? You're rooting more for yeah. the Rockets than the Starks in Game of Thrones. Yeah. By the way, I don't think I'm rooting for anybody in Game of Thrones. I, I wanted to see how it all plays out. I watched this week's episode on a iPad. I mean, I'm I'm clearly like I think I don't know who you are if you're not just for like if you're not just Team Tyrion. Like, don't we all just want to see him fucking chicks and drinking wine and ruling everybody? Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna be him and Sansa at the end. They're gonna be married and they're gonna be ruling everything. Oh. Ruther claim. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of my stupid, stupid like ideas that probably will stupid, never happen. Stupid fan theories. I don't think it's a terrible theory. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? All, all I know is uh, at this point in my life, Joe Prano. People who don't watch Game of Thrones, I don't know if I want to be around them. <laughs> like that's that's where I'm at. Like if like if I can't talk Game of Thrones with you, who are you to me? You were that guy. I wasn't that guy. I mean, I had never watched it, but right. again, I had never, you claim I, I had never dissed it. I, that's not my thing. I just hadn't watched it. And, right, and, but you just said people I can't talk Game of Thrones about. Well, but. yeah, it's basically that person who, who, you know, who converts like to Christianity or something, and their eyes are awakened and they see the light or whatever religion you want to call it. That's kind of how I am with Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh my God, these people, 
don't want to watch Game of Thrones, don't talk to me. Basically, what you're saying is I fixed your life. No, I don't want to give you. I know you want to. I know your ego wants to hear that, but I'm not going to give you that just yet. All right, let's move on to Trailblazers Nuggets. Wow, what a great, what a great series! What a fun series. Two young teams. You got, you know, two markets that aren't your traditional basketball powerhouses, but just a fun series, fun crowds, fun atmosphere. Sadly, I missed the four overtime game, tossing and turning in my bed. But I'm sure that was probably is that arguably the best playoff game you've ever seen. Um. Well. I don't know if I want to say that it was it was a fantastic game. Top There's three, no top three for you. Um, I don't know. I mean, like you know, the overtimes thing was was great, but like it with, with everything that was on the line, it was still just a game. What was that? A game three? Yeah. Um, in the second round, I just like like to me the greatest NBA game I've ever seen was Game Seven, Rockets, Cavs. You know, uh, the year the year the Cavs won. I mean, coming back from three one, the block, the shot, like everything. That Warriors, Kavita. Warriors, Cavs. Yeah, sorry, what did I say? Rockets, Cavs. Yeah, man, Warriors, you you Cavs. want the Rockets so badly, you're 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 throwing them into the equation right now. Yeah, Warriors, Cavs. Sorry, but it, it you know, and then the other thing is like that game down the stretch. Like both teams had so many opportunities to take it. And none of neither of them really did. It got a little. I mean, look, I'm not criticizing these guys the same way I wouldn't criticize you of, of puking halfway through a marathon. Like they're they, they were getting tired. They're in four overtimes, but down the stretch, it was like, yeah, there was a lot of made shots, but there was like a lot of you know, there was a lot of missed opportunities too. That being said, it was fantastic. This is my favorite second round series, without a doubt. Um, I, maybe it's that I like both of these teams and that essentially I'm, I, you know, in my heart, I'm rooting for both of these teams and both of these franchises. Like, yeah, I love you inside a fucking ice cube machine. <laughs> That's it's funny. You can hear that. That's my dad getting ice. You can hear that. <laughs> yeah. It sounds it sound like, it sounded like uh, an avalanche was coming down on you. <laughs> Unreal. Good, good um, sound system. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm I'm rooting for both these franchises. The way the Rockets are building around Jokic, I've said about this Rockets team before, or sorry, this God, why do I keep saying the Rockets? This Nuggets team, um, I feel like their last year's Atlanta Braves are a little ahead of schedule. Um, maybe they shouldn't have been, you know, maybe they weren't really deserving of a two seed, but they earned it by sure. playing it. And, and and that's going to work out great for them. I mean, they're gonna, they're going to have home court in this series. Um, I love both these teams. Obviously, I love Dame. I love CJ. I, I sadly am like, what would this Blazers team be if they had Nurkic um, with the way Cantor's been playing and just they're you know they're getting contributions from guys. I mean, uh, Seth Curry. Playoff Seth Curry greater than playoff Steph Curry? No, come on. Get that out of here. Playoff Seth Curry equals playoff Steph Curry? You're, you're just searching for a title for this episode. I mean, he had one really good game, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? I mean, we're talking about like Seth Curry's like having 17-point games in the playoffs. Steph Curry's having 17-point games in the playoffs. I know, but that's what I'm saying. He, he had a 16-point game. He, he, had, he had one game. He, he had 12 at halftime. 
playoff Austin Rivers greater than playoff Steph Curry? I'll tell you what, playoff Austin Rivers is he's played well. Playoff, uh, playoff Austin Rivers is every Austin Rivers where it's just like we get it, dude. You you have spurts where you look like a competent basketball player, but I wish I could coach Austin Rivers. I feel like I'd be the perfect Austin Rivers coach. The sec like I'd let him have his three possession like ooh nice pass for this is ooh big three ooh good finish i immediately yank him like don't fall in love with austin rivers he's good for three or four plays at a time and then it's a debacle yeah but i'm not falling in love with him i i just think the way he fits on the rockets team as a guy coming off the bench that can contribute versus how yes. versus how Doc but, was playing him in in L.A. It's night and day. But, Doc, but everybody that's ever co- coached Austin Rivers does essentially the same thing. They put him in, he contributes, and then they're like, "Oh, maybe we ride this Austin Rivers thing for a minute." And then, like the second you're like, see Austin Rivers have three back to back plays, he's going to embarrass himself on the basketball court. He's just gonna like dribble into the tunnel or like like punt a ball or something. Like I think I'd be perfect at like giving him the hook, like leave him wanting more, Austin Rivers. I gotcha. So who? Um, so do you have a favorite at all in the Blazers Nuggets? I I like the Blazers in that series. Um, I think it's going to go back and forth. I, I'm not sure home court really matters that much. I think it, mat- it certainly matters. Um, you know. It's going to matter in the series, but I just don't think it's going to make the difference between who wins a game here and there. Um, I, I like I like the the Blazers, um, but I, you know, good for both these teams. I hope you know I'm excited for whichever one to make the Western Conference Finals. Like I'm su- I'm super stoked at either of them making it, but I'm rooting for Portland, and I think Portland wins, and um, I think it could be. I think it'll probably be a seven-game series, but it could be Portland six. If Portland if Portland wins the next one, I think they close it down. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what, Prano. You are so lucky to live, and we are, because obviously I live there. I'm just not there right now on the West Coast. These games, man, these games go late on the East Coast, man. It sucks. I was, I was talking to Cutter about that yesterday at the Reds game. I'm like, dude, how do you do this? Like, you're missing... You're basically, unless you're staying up till one thirty two a.m., you're missing some amazing Western Conference playoff games. So, so shout out to all of the fucking diehard East Coast or anybody living in the Eastern time zone, dirt balls, right? Because it's it's no joke, man. We have it so nice living out in L.A. for that. I mean, I gotta say, as I look out my window at the waves crashing at the Venice Breakwater. Uh, a light breeze blowing through the palm trees, the sun shining. And I think about how, you know, the last Western Conference NBA playoffs game today will end, you know, at a casual 10 o'clock. I feel pretty good. But then I always do come back to quality of life. Yeah, man. The quality of life, uh, I'll tell you what, is, is, is pretty good here. I've been here for about seven days and uh, you can't beat it. You can't beat Obesity, sweating, Applebee's. It's great quality of life. <laughs> but but you, you said some cool things, too. You, you said some cool things, too. Uh, I did enjoy a Cincinnati Reds home game, speaking of quality of life, yesterday. Went down with the former guest and my good buddy, Chad Cutter. 
went down to Great American Ballpark for a 12:35 Reds Giants game, and we got those tickets on SeatGeek. What's What's great about the Reds games, Joe, when you go on SeatGeek is uh, nobody goes to the games. So you have lots of options, especially when you decide. We, you know, we went last minute. I was a game time decision because my my post marathon, the legs are not uh, they're not in good shape, and it really hurts to walk the next day. So we made it a game time decision yesterday morning. I hopped on SeatGeek, looked at tickets. We got some great third base side, uh, third baseline seats, and uh, went down. The old Great American Ballpark and dirt balls. I even met Tyler. Shout out to Tyler, a uh, an Ohio dirt ball. He goes to Miami. Met him. I'm sure he got his tickets on SeatGeek. Dirt balls. SeatGeek is the best app to get your tickets. So you should download the app right now. SeatGeek will even give you ten dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Just download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code DIRTY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code DIRTY for $10 off your first purchase. And uh, yesterday was interesting, and I posted that on my Instagram. I want you to know, Andy, before you move on from our, that I also, I literally, minutes before this episode started, put through an order on SeatGeek for tomorrow's 12.40 p.m. Mets at Padres game. So if you're a dirt ball in the San Diego or Southern California area, use promo code DIRTY right now. Go to SeatGeek. Meet me at Petco. I also, as you know I like to do, will be sitting down the third baseline, actually down toward the short left field. I, I, I did what I uh, – I, I made a, a, an executive decision after our last visit to Petco, and I scoped on SeatGeek a photo from the seats that I was about to buy, make sure they weren't behind that net. Oh, nice. And, Good move. And uh, I'll, I'll be sitting in the short left field uh, side for Mets Padres tomorrow, 1240, followed by uh, Red's comedy show at El Perez. So nice. A, a Phil Cal Durpaw, come see me at Petco or come see me at El Perez. Yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a great comedy venue. That's also obviously a great baseball stadium. And I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I sat down, the, I was on the first base line yesterday. I don't know what I'm thinking. I think I'm still delusional from the marathon. But it was pretty funny because I posted that. I'm sure everybody saw it. It was all over social media. The Reds-Giants game was delayed about 20 minutes because of a swarm of bees overtook by the dugout and by in back of home plate. So That's uh, 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 supposedly, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that was a guerrilla marketing campaign for the upcoming Wu-Tang documentary on showtime kill a beast interesting i thought i thought it was a promo campaign for all the local applebee's in cincinnati they were gonna they were gonna let bees out and it was like bees applebee's you know let them out but uh there is a wu-tang documentary i don't know about this tell me about this yeah of mics and men coming out on showtime on may 10th Uh, as you know i am uh a devoted member of the clan so uh yeah i'm really looking forward to it i think it's a multi-part documentary um that comes out on may 10th which i guess would be what friday yeah and i believe if if i'm not mistaken that they're doing it uh netflix style so i think all the parts are dropping on the same day nice yeah yeah. i love me some documentaries i look forward to that one so i want to bring up you know we've discussed this before, but I want to bring it up again as far as baseball stadiums and people not showing up. There was that awful picture last week, I believe it was Thursday, 
of it was Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday actually. Last Wednesday, that day, May first, that day game with the Rays and the Royals in Kansas City, where there was like four people at the game. You know, I go down yesterday. There's nobody at the game. I get it. The Reds suck. The Giants suck. But Joe, I just want to reiterate what we've said on this show as far as just make things affordable. These, bu- these yeah, like especially you look at take these two cities. We're talking we're talking Kansas City and Cincinnati. Very similar Midwest towns. Guys, just make them affordable. So I bought a slice of pizza. This is what I want to say. I bought a slice of pizza we got there. La Rosa's is like the big Cincinnati chain, uh, the local chain that's really good, right? So Cutter and I go, and we each get a slice of pizza when we get there. It's five fifty for a slice of pizza of La Rosa's. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Later in the game, I'm still hungry. They had a deal at one of the stands for nine fifty. You got a beverage, a hot dog, a bag of chips, and a little bag of cookies. And I said to Cutter, why, why do they not make this more known? I go, this is exactly what I'm talking about. For $9.50, if, if I have a family of three, and I said to my, my kids can get a full meal for 10 bucks, you know, you, you, three kids get a meal for 30 bucks. Like, my point is, they're not advertising that $9.50 value thing. They're advertising all the other local chains, the Skylines, the La Rosa's, the Grater's ice cream that are so damn expensive. This is the problem with baseball. Make those more affordable things known to fans. I mean, I, I obviously I've I've been proudly saying this for a while. I think look, it's you know baseball, I just think that the the economics, they haven't quite figured out the economics of it in terms of what they need to do to get people there versus you know, when the people are there, how much to charge them so they make money. I, you know, you asked me because the Mets were, the Reds were playing the Mets, and you're like, why is no one at this game? I was like, it's a Monday, it's fucking cold, and it's Mets-Reds. But that being said, you know, uh, a, two weeks before, it was a Monday or a Tuesday night, and it was cold, and it was Philadelphia, and the Mets-Phillies game was sold out because it was fucking dollar hot dog night. Exactly. And, and dollar hot dog night, like, basically every ballpark should be dollar hot dog night every night. Because See, that's my point. You're, you're going to fuck it. Or at least once it like it should be dollar hot dog Tuesday. Cause you're going to sell out that game. And the amount that you're going to make on beer and tickets and it, fucking souvenirs is like, it, they, they the, just the, don't understand the economics this, of it. Thank you for saying that. That's exactly what I was saying to cutter. The same exact thing. I go, I don't understand this. There's 81 home games. You can have 81 different promotions. I went. Now, I'll be curious to hear what you say, and I'm sure the Dirt Bowls might be giving me some shit for this, and I don't care. I actually, Saturday night was the 150th anniversary of the Reds' first home game. So, they're, you know, they're saying the 150th anniversary of the first professional baseball game. It was Mr. Red Legs bobblehead night. I wanted that fucking bobblehead, and I wanted it badly. And it was pouring rain here. And I had the marathon, and I was like, I'm not going to go to the game because I got to go to the marathon the next day. Little did I know I'd be lying in bed for five hours. But I was already down there at the convention center to get you know all my marathon sign-up shit, blah, 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 all that shit. I bought a single ticket, walked in, grabbed the bobblehead, and left. Now, some people might say, well, that's, a, that's pathetic, Ruther. Again, I wanted to sleep. I didn't sleep. But my point is, everybody was there for that bobblehead. How cheap are those bobbleheads? Yeah. How cheap? Like you're saying, dollar hot dog night. Uh, you, you know, whatever it is. T-shirt giveaway, hat giveaway. People lose their mind over anything. Koozies. Like why? I just don't understand why baseball hasn't. If, if they said we're giving away free koozies night, the stadium's going to be packed. 
just for a single koozie. There's yeah. No, there's no overhead in that. By the way, is is what I is what I did is is that a is that bad what I did to get the Bob? I, I mean, I don't think like first of all, you had to marathon the next day, and you weren't going to go to the game. You you basically weren't going to the game one way or the other. No. So I paid for a ticket to literally walk in, grab the bobblehead, and left. So you financially supported your hometown baseball team and got a bobblehead. I see nothing wrong with that. Okay, thanks. I wasn't sure how that was going to be taken. As if like you're such a douche for doing that. I mean, I, I honestly think it's kind of like douchey to like buy a bobblehead on fucking eBay, you know? Yeah. And, and you wanted it, whatever. Like, I, I think I love when dirtballs send us bobbleheads that we couldn't get to the ballpark to get ourselves. That's fantastic. But if you're like one of those people who's like, I'm going to buy four tickets and go in so I can sell them on eBay. Or if you're some kid who's like, I just want that bobblehead. I'm going to buy it on eBay. Yeah. Like, but I, I mean, I I, I, I did nothing. I did notice some of those cheddar dicks doing the same thing, and I asked a couple people as they were leaving. I was like, "Oh, you're not going to the game?" He's like, "No, I didn't. yeah." One of those guys was that was exactly what we hate. He's like, "I'm going to sell this." And I, he's like, "Are you selling yours?" I go, "No, dude. I'm running a marathon tomorrow, so I I can't sit through a four and a half hour Reds eleven to thirteen Giants pitching debacle here for the next five hours." Right. Yeah, and I agree. Fuck those people. By the way. That's not cool. The people who do that and then sell them on eBay. Talk yeah. about talk about dorks. Total total dorks, dude. We have to talk about the derby. What? I still don't understand this. Do you understand this stuff, Prano? Like, yeah, yes, I do. Because I've worked uh, in a racetrack. I've been the guy who has shot one of the angles that you were watching. And my camera, camera <laughs> I, boot. Real quick, I thought you were gonna say I've been the guy who's had to shoot one of the horses when they broke I've, their leg. I've also been the, I've also been the guy to shoot a horse I, when when you're there on on some of the lighter nights of staffing at the thing. This the closest Italian gets the gun. You're like, <laughs> put the sheet over him. I'll take care of this. <laughs> Sorry, Mister Whippets, you had your day. It's not. There's nothing we can do about it. It's a very, uh, very difficult. It's it's hard to explain how your blood circulates through your hooves, and if you can't stand, you're basically gonna die anyway. So I'm doing you a favor. Roll over. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I've been I've been the guy that shoots uh, the cameras for those races, and my camera booth was like feet away from the judges. So I've actually been present for the conversations about whether or not a horse should be taken off the board. And, uh, yeah, I, I fully understand it. And the one thing I will say about the Derby decision, which is something that you absolutely hear in a racetrack all the time when you're around this, um, you know, when you're around judges, when you're around the production crew that's shooting these races. Because, obviously, when they do that, um, having worked in the, in the broadcast department, we immediately have to switch all the graphics, you know what I mean, that say – this is who won. This is how much they paid. All that shit. So we're, we're, we were kind of involved in it as much as the judges. But the one thing that always comes up is it doesn't matter if it's the third race on a random Wednesday night at a fucking, you know, track at Monmouth in New Jersey or the Kentucky Derby, the 145th Kentucky Derby. If something is a foul, if something is an interference, it should be treated the same way that, you know, the same way, like the strike zone shouldn't change in baseball. If it's a world series or if it's a fucking Tuesday afternoon Reds game, 
Um, you know, pass interference is pass interference. A foul is a foul in basketball. That's what, you know, that's what we were saying sort of in the Virginia game. Um, it's like, hey, you, you might not like that, uh, you know, the game ended with free throws after a guy got bumped. But the bottom line is that's a foul. And it's always a foul. And it doesn't matter that it's the final four. It's a foul. In this horse race, um, he definitely slid over and could have, even though he didn't, it like it was a dangerous move. And it, it truly is a life and death situation on a horse track that, you know, those two horses heels almost clicked. And if they did, you know, you're, you have horses getting shot on the track. You have humans potentially getting seriously injured. You have multiple human and horse pileups and he absolutely drifted out. Now, luckily nothing happened. And the kind of the shitty part about it is the horse he interfered with ends up dropping back and there's really no way to like write the situation because now suddenly the horse that took second wins, even though he, he was never going to win. You know what I mean? Like it's just that yeah. the, the horse that won interfered with other horses and, and look, you gotta call. You gotta call the way it calls it. It's like if Tom Brady throws a pass to fucking Gronk, and it's you know incomplete, but on the other side of the field, Julian Edelman was held. It's still pass interference. You know, just because it didn't, like, just because Tom Brady didn't look over there and try to throw him the ball, doesn't mean he wasn't held. Doesn't mean it wasn't pass interference. It's shitty because like the right horse didn't get any benefit for it. But as from my, you know, long experience in horse racing and being around judges and being around, you know, those booths, I think they absolutely made the right call. Interesting. Yeah. That's actually cool. I didn't know you had that insight into that because, you know, someone like me who knows nothing about the sport sees it. I just go, I don't know. And, and the other, the other thing that's kind of shitty about it too is like, it wasn't. It probably it didn't look like, and it and it likely wasn't like um, a decision that the jockey made, or even like a lack of, you know, sort of careful riding by the jockey. The horse apparently got spooked. The horse came out, but it, you know, you could see that it definitely affected that horse behind it. And and again, nothing happened, but it was very close. If you watch the way those those horses' feet like go right, like basically in between each other, very close to like a clicked heels situation. And, and that shit gets really, I've also shot that, you know what I mean? And it's really, it's really bad. And honestly, I don't think horse racing has got a ton of life left in it uh, because of that stuff, but um, it's bad. And you want to avoid those any way you can. And I get that maybe, maybe no one is really, you know, benefiting from it. Like, the, it's not the jockey's fault, but the jockey and the horse are getting punished, and the guy who owns it's getting punished, and the second place horse didn't deserve to win. But at the same time, you kind of got to just do a policing situation that says we've got to avoid all, at all costs anything that may lead to horses being shot on tracks in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, and what's wild is the financial end because so much money was changed. With not only the purse earnings, but also like investors for future running. Like I was, I was reading into that. That's what's wild about this. That this one decision just changed, you know, millions of dollars quickly changed sure. hands. 
Sure. And then and then one thing that I don't know enough about, but I'd actually love if anybody is in like if anybody's like a crazy horse racing person. One thing I would love to hear, because this is the I honestly, I think the most fascinating and interesting question of the whole thing is you make so much money as a horse trainer and a horse breeder breeding the horse that wins a Kentucky Derby, breeding a horse that wins like X amount of things. Like, so this horse was still like the fastest horse in the race. Sure. Is, is, I mean, I'm sure the price of his sperm is going to go down because he's not the Kentucky Derby winner on paper, but is it going to drop? Like, is this horse that wasn't the fastest that somehow got moved up to first? Does his price actually rise? Or or are people who are in the know about this stuff like, well, we all know who the best horse was. That's the horse we want to fuck. Yeah, no, that's, what, that's a good point. Like, what is the value of maximum security? Great name, by the way. Great horse yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's wild. You, you want to hear the best part? I was I was coming home, and uh, I didn't actually see the actual race. And uh, I asked my dad, and he's like, "Oh yeah, the maximum security one." And that was it. And then I just like hopped on my computer, and I had no clue about the drama for like thirty minutes. I, I had no clue. Just and it's uh, it's the first time in the hundred and forty five Kentucky Derbies that the horse that finished the cross finish line first did not. Win. Now this happens in horse racing literally all the time, but but it never, it never happened, happened at the Derby. Yeah, it's never happened in the Derby for a number of reasons. They're pro- they've probably in the past been more lenient with these things. Uh, they've probably had less replay, you know, angles to do it. Um, and obviously, it happens less often in the Derby than other horse races because you have the best horses with the best jockeys on them and everybody, you know, the whole world watching. So you're not really, you're not getting like a little sketchy jockey who's known for like bumping and rubbing people in there. Like, Hey, let's see if we can fucking steal away. Like the whole world watching. Sure. Um, but it is fascinating that that's the first time in 145 races that it's happened. Yeah. I, I thought wild that too. Thing. Well, look, Joe, we're going to do another shorter episode. Okay. It's not that short. We're an hour and 16 minutes in. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I will be here for the next two episodes, Paul. So no YouTube for a couple more episodes. Uh, I'm going to be in the city of Cincinnati. And a much needed break from LA, I will add to that. Uh, LA, as much as I love it, can get to me at times. So, uh, Oh, you'll be, you'll be begging to come back by the end. No, I will. I agree with you. I'm not going to disagree with that. By the end, like I'm feeling good now, though. Just it was especially marathon. Not to be dramatic, but your your body hates you for the next three days. So I my, my I was initially supposed to fly out tomorrow. So it's like, wait, I run a marathon and then I can't move for three days. I can't really be around, like enjoy my nephews and nieces, and then I just leave. So this actually works out um, even better. But uh, now, well, before we wrap up the show, I want to ask you one question quickly. I put sure. it on. I put it on Twitter because it just so happened that uh, these fall on the same day. And I'm actually shocked at the results so far, although I haven't checked in since we started doing the show. 17 years ago today, Andy Ruther, Allen Iverson talking about practice. Yeah. He wasn't talking about a game, Andy. Wasn't talking about a game. Wasn't talking about a game. He was talking about practice. Three years ago today, big sexy Bartolo Colon 
hit a home run at Petco Park. I witnessed it from the same area that I will be sitting tomorrow down the third base line there at Petco. I watched Bartolo's moonshot pass from my right to my left and land just in front of that Western Metal Supply Co. for not only Big Sexy's first home run ever, but possibly the greatest home run ever hit in the history of baseball. To you, Andy Ruther, which one of those is a more iconic sports moment? I mean, come on. It's not even a question. We talk about practice. We talk about practice. We talk about the game. We talk about home run by a fat Puerto Rican pitcher, Dominican, whatever he is, who never jacked a home run at 45. We talk about practice. So you're going with practice? Yeah, without a doubt. Wow. I was surprised so many people agree with you. See, to me, I, I, I immediately thought of Allen Iverson when I, when I thought about it. I was like, well, what's in a more iconic sports moment? I was like, we're not talking about a game. We're talking about a press conference. Not a game. Not a live game where a guy hit a home run in a sporting event. We're talking about a press conference. A press conference? I don't know. I'm going Bartolo. Well, it, it was a fun thing. It was a, it was a great thing, especially in the age of social media. But as far as the history, I mean, how many dirt balls don't even, you know, weren't even old enough to remember that shit, but they all know. Practice? I mean, everybody but Shabelli knows that. I, think, I feel like this is a great question because, I mean, the reason I ask it is they are two of the more iconic sports moments of the last, you know, 20 years, for sure. I, I think you're being a homer here. Really? I do. I, I mean, I think for you even to say the two of the more iconic sports moments of the last 20 years. I mean, him hitting a home run was, again, it's funny. It's great. Everybody loved it. But I think that's, that's just what it is. It's not this classic Allen Iverson press conference. I mean, man. if you go on the internet today, not you're not a Mets fan. Obviously, I'm getting a lot of them as a Mets fan. But if you go on the internet today, if you go on Twitter, you're going to see multiple reminders. I, well, I know. I happen. saw them. I saw them. That's the thing. I saw them. Obviously, I follow enough support sports accounts. I saw them. I'm not saying it's not. But, I mean, you just said in the last 20 years, Joe, I could, I could just start reeling off more iconic sports moments in the last 20 years. I'm sure. I mean, I, I, obviously, there's more iconic sports moments than, than the AI thing, too. But to me, and, and yes, I am a Mets homer, but I'm going, like, as far as iconic sports moments go, one of them is, is actually from a sporting event, and one of them's a guy talking in a press conference. Like, to me, that's the great. Uh, look, Allen Iverson took sp- sports press conferences to the highest level they possibly can. But I just don't think that's going to top a great moment from an actual sporting event. I'd beg to to differ. I I think him doing that and obviously how great of a player Iverson was does top a May 8th Mets game against the Padres. Just saying. Well, there we go. That's why I put it up. 
And that is the episode. Guys, you can follow us at The Dirty Sports on Twitter and Instagram. The Instagram is popping, Joe Prane. Have you seen some of the, the great photoshops we've been getting from our Instagram team? Shout out to Jay Lloyd. Shout out to Nick D'Alessandro. Shout out to everybody who's been helping us. Uh, we got some great stuff going on on Instagram, so follow us there. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Drop an iTunes review. Once I get back to LA, I'll be sending out sending out koozies to anybody who leaves an iTunes review. Just drop your Twitter or Instagram handle, and you can follow me at Twitter and Instagram at Andy Ruther. Joe, what about you? Uh, at Joe Prado on Instagram. Obviously, in the world of social media, that's all all that's important. Truly, I will say this: do it for the gram. Instagram, Joe. Joe, you coming to my town? You coming to my town? Uh, I, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm more likely to come to your town. I hate that that's the case. I'll just, I'll, you'll only see pictures of me at ballparks. Uh, but follow me on Instagram. It's how you make it in comedy these days. <laughs> All about uh, the gram. At Fix Your Life on Twitter, I'll be in San Diego tomorrow. Got a bunch of shows coming up in LA in the next couple of weeks. Um, go to JoePrano.com for more shows. New York, New Jersey. Tahoe, the Bay Area, all those coming up uh, this summer. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right, Dirtballs, that is the show. Our apologies. I'll take the blame for this one dropping on Tuesday. We'll be back on schedule with the next episode dropping on Thursday this week. So look out for that. Enjoy the week. Enjoy these NBA and NHL playoffs. I've watched some of those actually. Uh, Enjoy that. And we'll see you guys soon. Don't forget, stay dirty.